Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. So we, we talked last week on our first part of family, the church, and kingdom leadership. We talked about family and how there's leadership models within family, biblically speaking, and how wives submitting to husbands mean you have to start as equals. Come on, somebody. You have to start as equals in order to submit. Otherwise, it's domination, not submission. Hello? You have to become equals first in order to submit. You have to yield to an equal party in order to submit. That's how it works. I'm right about that. Listen to last week. I'll prove it, okay? So it's all on our website. And we've been um, operating from this model Jesus has given us about leadership. It's all about leadership and family, the church, and the kingdom, okay? And so we've been saying this. I said it last week. I'm going to say it for the next few weeks. True leadership is, help me, servant leadership. That's right. True leadership is servant leadership. If you want to lead, you have to serve. If you're not willing to serve, you are not equipped to lead, period. If you're not willing to serve, you're not equipped to lead. End of story. This is how... Family, God's design for family, the church, and the kingdom. God's design. Amen? It comes from Matthew 20, 25 through 28. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. Jesus called to him, them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. That's right. And whoever does, desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me translate that for you. Jesus did not come to get armor bearers. He came to bear up under every burden that you'd ever have. That's my whole statement on armor bearers. Not okay with them. There's other problems in the church, though. Because we've got our systems flipped upside down in all sorts of ways, okay? So here's the deal. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to come back to it later, but you got to remember it, okay? Put this in your rememberer for a minute here. This is what's happened. We have misallocated what I talked about last week. We have misallocated family roles, biblical family roles, into church leadership and called it doctrine. We have superimposed the roles of a family unit into an assumption on what church leadership would look like, and we've called it doctrine. It's an assumed position. I'm going to prove it to you. Not just because a family is run run one way doesn't mean the family of God is run that way. There's an assumption. It's extra biblical, and it's okay if it offends you. I said that as kind as I could. My wife said, be nicer, Caleb, in between. I'm like, okay, I'll try. (laughs) Here's the deal. This is why it happens, because the church is the household of God. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 in the English Standard says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Okay, now we're talking about who leads this. Did you hear? It doesn't say moms and dads. It says apostles and prophets, right? We've misallocated family roles into church leadership in many ways. All right, you'll get it. Here we go. Foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for for God by the Spirit. Amen? Listen, what that tells me is church leadership starts from the bottom, not the top. On the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone. 
All right, the way I like to answer the question about do you still need apostles and prophets, we say, do we still need a cornerstone? One foundation. Yes. So here's the problem. Church leadership has been talked about with words like coverings. There is zero biblical precedence for coverings in leadership. There's no biblical language for a leader being a covering. I can tell you there's actually opposite language. I read it to you earlier. You're not to rule from over. You're to rule from under. The church is built on the foundation. Say foundation. It's a foundational leadership model, okay? If you took the foundation of this building and put it on the roof, what would happen? Collapse. Hello, Western church. We got people called to be support systems who are trying to cover people because that's just our culture and the words we use, but it's not biblical, and it's hurting people. Anybody been hurt in church before? Hello? You're at a church called The Resting Place. Probably all of you have been hurt in church before, huh? Like, oh, there's a place where I can rest? Oh, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, come on. Foundations. Say foundations. Not coverings. Say support systems. Not lords over. Right. Now, that's the, that's the system, all right? And that, if that's not paradigm-shaking enough, it's going to get better. Here we go. The fivefold. Have you heard this term, the fivefold, the apostles, prophets? That's actually the equipping model, leadership model of the church, Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. So this is how the, the body gets equipped. It says, Jesus gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Historically, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers have done the work of the ministry. But we're to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. There's a reason I'm not on the prayer team. Yep. For the building up the body of Christ. Until, say until. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Have we got that yet? No answer. Right answer. No, it's not a trick question. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Is the church completely mature yet? Okay, so the me- to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, do we have that on the earth yet? So we need apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists still. Until these things happen. I'm just reading what it says. I got to keep moving here. So you can read 11 through 14 on your own. But here's the deal. Church leaders are not meant to do the work of the ministry. They're to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. Until the body looks just like Jesus. Hello? Are you following this? All right, now there is an order, I'm, and I'm taking you through fast, sorry, but there's an order to these appointments, okay? It's not just that there's five leaders and there's all leading together. No, there's actually a leader of leaders, okay? And they're appointed in order. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. It says, now you are the body of Christ. See, the equipping, the thing that gets equipped, you are the body of Christ. Individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, Second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Pastor isn't even on there. Does that mean pastors aren't supposed to lead? No. But do they lead first? No. You want to know why the church is such a mess in America? It's because we're pastor-led. You can call me Pastor Caleb. It's fine because I will pastor you in a sense. But I'm not called to the office of a pastor. I don't have it. I'm an apostolic teacher. I will see heaven come to earth through teaching you. That's what I do. Apostolic teacher. That's what I am. That's how I am called. Okay? That's how I help the body grow up. Okay? 
If you want a counseling appointment with me, it's going to be, have you read this book? That's what it's going to be. Not really. I, I, you know, still kind. But it's probably going to be a few Shabbos and a please memorize this verse. That's what it's going to be. All right? I mean, it's just, it's okay. I'm going to call you up to the word of God and give you a revelation of it so you can walk it out. That's the reality of my call. Okay? But I'm not really a counselor, and that's okay. I'm not trying to be. And counselors aren't even supposed to lead the church. But we got counselors leading the church. Sometimes there's teachers, but that's third on the list. It's often that there's a teacher or a pastor, right? But it's still third. Apostles are supposed to lead. And you can think there aren't any more at this time, but remember that until word? Until, yeah. God is still calling them to do that. Amen? All right, so without an apostolic and prophetic starting point, say starting point, the church will always lose its way. Without the proper starting point, you will always lose your way. Amen? Amen. So, remember I said we've misallocated family roles into church leadership and called it doctrine? Remember that thing? It's in your rememberer, right? Pull it out of your rememberer. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that term, rememberer, but there it is. <laughs> Everything I just read to you was the design, God's design for church leadership. Did you notice it's woefully absent of gender Did anyone else notice that? That was just me. I just noticed that it doesn't actually have, when talking about church leadership, there's actually no gender mentions. Listen, I'm going to tear down some assumptions that we have made, some assumptions that are not biblical, and you can be as excited or angry about them as you'd like. It's fine. I'm okay. I'm good. Ephesians 5.22 teaches us that wives are to submit to husbands. Amen? The church is wrongly taught that women are to submit to men. Challenge anyone to find me a verse to say women submit to men. Find one. Do you hear a misallocation? Do you hear an assumption? Wives submit to your husbands. Yeah. Women submit to men. Extra biblical. Not in there. Check me. Go find it. Bring it back. It's in the book of opinions, chapter one. All right? Here's another one. First Timothy 3, verse 2 says, any male who desires to be an overseer desires a noble thing. So there are rules for overseers. Men who are overseers, there's a list of things that need to be, you know, above reproach, not easily quarrelsome, all that stuff, that whole list. But the church is wrongly taught that there are no female overseers. Because we don't have a nice list, that means there are none, right? Well, Colossians 4.15 says, greet Nympha and the church in her house. It's, I have a slide for that, Colossians 4.15. It's more legit if you put it on the screen. <laughs> Colossians 4, not Ephesians 4. Colossians 4.15. I even highlighted it. It's good. I'm, I went out of order, so she's all, I messed everything up. That's my fault. Yeah, Colossians 4.15. Greet the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha. This is Paul writing this. Paul, Paul writing this. And the church in her house. I share that with people that, oh, and that say only men can lead churches. And, I, and they, you know what they say to me? They say, oh, well, you know, there had to be a guy leading the church and she was just hosting it. 
And it said, excuse me, but anyone who adds to the words of this book. The rest of that sentence is, let all the curses of this book be upon him, by the way. Added to him. Serious stuff. Here's the real sticky one where I'm going to get lots of trouble. 1 Timothy 2.12 says, I do not permit a woman to teach. Paul wrote that to Timothy in Ephesus. So the Bible says Paul did not want a woman in Ephesus to teach. The church has taught that all women cannot teach. And if you want my full opinion on this, because I don't have time today, check out a Facebook page called Kingdom Equalist. I've got a video. It's about 45 minutes to an hour long. It's got 8,000 views. I'm getting called a heretic all over the world for it. It's great. I get nice, nice, nice messages on Facebook because of that one. You can go watch that, Kingdom Equalist. But let me just tell you that the, the structure matters, the culture matters, everything matters, okay? And Paul said to, to Timothy, I do not permit a woman to teach. She, he says that. But Priscilla taught Apollos. Priscilla is a woman. It says a Priscilla along with her husband Aquila, who was with her, in the book of Acts, verse, chapter 18, verse 26, if you are really mad, go read this for yourself. Acts 18, 26. And it says that Priscilla taught Apollos the way of God more accurately with her husband. At least she was a joint teacher, a co-teacher at the very least. Hello? Timothy was taught the scriptures by two women, Lois and Eunice. First, 2 Timothy 1, 5 and 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. 2 Timothy 1. 5, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. By the way, if you feel like I'm mad at you, I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I'm not, you're all professional Christians who believe the whole Bible. I'm talking to all the Facebook people who they they have problems and they disagreements with this stuff. It's so don't worry, we're all we're good. Listen, I don't want anyone to think I'm mad at you, but I am pretty passionate about truth. I care about the truth. So, Timothy was taught by two women. The scriptures, the sacred writings, it says, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15, all right? And a woman named Junia was well-known among the apostles. That means she was an apostle. Everybody tries to slither out, oh, the apostles knew her. I'm like, well, why would Paul? The apostles knew a lot of women. She was known by the apostles. Okay, so she was famous among the apostles. No, the structure and everything in the Greek suggests she was an apostle. But we've got misogynistic bias and we've got lenses on that just break it all for us right before, like right in front of us. It doesn't even get to our brain the right way. There's a lens, you know. And here's the nail in the coffin. You ready? This is my, my nail in the coffin for this whole argument. It is. Even our translations have hidden the empowering words of Paul towards women. Our translations have hidden it because all of Scripture is God-breathed, but not all the translations are God-breathed. That's why I read like 45 of them, all right? Because, you know, Paul's hand, his pen to paper, God breathed. Anything past that, not perfect, as in imperfect. It, you know, the more you translate it, anyone translated between languages, it's tough, it's tough, right? Okay, so listen to this verse, because this is the most egregious one, in my opinion. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2. you can remember it, it's the 2.2 verse, the 2.2 verse. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 says, what you have heard from me, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, his disciple. He said, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hashtag horrible translation. Because that word men 
Sounds like male in there, right? It's not. Go ahead and put the graphic up. It's the word anthropos. Anyone taking an anthropology class? Anyone? Was it all about only men or was it about the human race? Yeah, because this word is teach to faithful anthropos. Men and women, women and men, I highlighted it for you. It relates to both genders, male and female, mankind in general, inclusive of every man, woman, and child. Anthropos man answers the Hebrew term Adam and aner, there's a different Greek word, A-N-E-R. That one means like male. Now, did Paul like have a typo? Just, oh, I used the wrong word. Gosh, thousands of years of confusion because I just... Or when they say, trust a faithful man, do they mean like mankind, and you just, they just don't want you to know? I'm calling out translations right now for improperly presenting that to you. Absolutely. I am. I'm not a translator, but it's obvious to me that that does not say what he said. Listen to the New English translation. Same verse. It says, what you've heard me say in the presence of many others as witnesses, and to faithful people, and trust to faithful people who will be competent to teach others as well. Hello? New Living Translation says, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Come on. It says, deposit into faithful leaders in the Passion Translation who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Okay? So if Paul was saying in 1 Timothy, the first letter he wrote to Timothy, if he was saying no women can teach ever, why would he say in the next letter, entrust to faithful men and women who can teach others? Why would he say that? Oh, because maybe he was talking about a specific woman or group of women that he did not want teaching a certain thing. You ever written a letter to someone? Have you ever read a letter from someone you know? Do you say everything you need to say? Like, do you say, do you fill in the gaps or other things you just know? Come on, get over yourself. It's a letter from a, a spiritual father to a spiritual son. And Paul knew that Timothy would know what Paul meant. The problem is you ain't Timothy. And you're acting like you know everything Paul meant. If in 1 Timothy he doesn't want any women to teach, then why would he say in 2 Timothy, entrust faithful people to teach? Anthropos, men and women. There have been statements lately about women who teach should go home by other well-known people. Don't go home, please. Be faithful. Because here's the deal, the qualification to teach in the church, not just my church, the true church of Jesus Christ, the qualification to teach in the church is not gender, it's faithfulness. Amen. It's trustworthiness. That's it. If this makes you mad, don't come back next week because I'm ordaining seven women, okay? Don't, don't, just don't. Just, God bless you. I'm not mad at you. It's fine. You can be mad at me. I don't need to be mad at you. It's fine. Whatever. If Paul didn't want any women to teach, why, did he, why didn't he rebuke Priscilla for teaching Apollos? Why didn't he rebuke Junia instead of greeting her? Why didn't he rebuke Lois and Eunice instead of saying, trust what they taught you? Why didn't he rebuke Nympha for having a church in her house? Why did he instead greet her and support her and say, give her, you know, give her my greetings? Why would he do that? Oh, maybe... You just have a churchianity lens that needs to just shatter. Women 
aren't to submit to men. They're to submit to, wives submit to husbands, and they have to start as equals. And we need to relieve ourselves of the assumptions we've made towards church leadership because the family of God, the household of God, is not just your family. It's a bunch of families that need to be led. And yes, a woman can lead them. Because it's not about your gender, it's about faithfulness. Anyone faithful, anyone willing to lead from a true leadership model, which is servant leadership. And let me just tell you, I've seen women serve more than I've seen men. Deal with it. You know I'm right. I've seen men be served, and I've seen women serve. I'm not saying we need all women leaders. I'm not saying that. I'm the leader of this church, y'all. It's me, okay? I'm not a woman. I'm not anti-men leaders. Are you with me? This is the church. Bottom up. Foundation support systems being equipped by the five-fold ministry. Learning how to be led in a proper order and seeing the qualification for that leadership as faithfulness. Period. Show yourself faithful. You're called the lead. That's, that's the deal. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.